Good morning. So my name is Steve Voice, and my wife Nicole and I are just like Sydney and Josh, and we are covenant partners here at Community West Church. I didn't know about the bonus member, so <laughs> congratulations. That's awesome. Um, when Nicole and I first started with this, she and I and our family were very active members of Third Church, and were part of a small group that was sent from Third to uh, out to the far west end of Richmond to uh, become third, second site, and we were known as the second site, or third at Funk Road, um, and you know, now the years have passed, and now we're our very own Community West Church, and is, it is our immense joy to be able to worship with you on Sunday mornings, to join you with uh, missional fellowships and all the other parts of life in this congregation, and I'm very honored to be able to bring the message this morning. Now, when Nicole and I were first called here, things were different for us. We were younger. We're in our 60s now. Back then, we were in our 40s. Our primary family roles were different. We've gone from parenting to grandparenting. And one of our, um, one of our children actually lived at home with us back then, but now all three are grown and have families of their own, and that's quite a blessing. We've also changed physically. I had less time and more energy back then, and uh, my hair was thicker, and my waistline, well, we won't talk about that. But a lot has changed, but also a lot has stayed the same. We still worship the God who never changes. We still read his word that never changes, and we know that his goodness towards us never changes, and that his love for us never changes. In fact, when we pray to God, we're praying to the same God who set the stars in motion before the beginning of time. And when we read his word, we're reading a word that we know is as meaningful and impactful and as relevant and as true today as it was when he first spoke the universe into existence. And something else that hasn't changed is our mission. When we were sent here from third, originally, it was to share the news, the good news. And that mission remains intact. As Nelson mentioned, we're in the middle of a sermon series <clears throat> excuse me, called Sharing Good News. And the word gospel means good news. So when Christians talk about sharing the gospel, they're talking about sharing good news. And I was in college when someone shared the gospel with me, and I received Jesus into my heart for the first time as an adult. And when I responded to the gospel at that time, I was really responding to two things. First, I was responding to the message that was shared with me. But secondly, I was responding to a prompting by God to believe the message that was given to me. The way that it was presented to me was, was pretty basic back in those days. And um, I worked all through college at Virginia Tech and a co-worker at Squires Student Center. For any Hokies out there, you'll know where Squires is. I used to work there. And a co-worker shared the gospel with me and he did it through a method, so to speak, that was known as the four spiritual laws. And he listed for me the four spiritual laws and the scriptures scripture verses that supported those laws. So I'm going to share that with you right now, and I'm also going to reference the scriptures that support those. You don't have to memorize this, but you might want to go back later. It's, it's pretty good stuff. So the four spiritual laws that were presented to me are as follows. One, God loves you and created you to know him personally, and that's based on John 3.16. The second spiritual law is man is sinful and separated from God, so we cannot know him personally or experience his love. 
That's from Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. The third spiritual law, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through him alone can we know God personally and experience God's love. That's from Romans 5.8, 1 Corinthians 15.3-5, and John 14.6. The fourth spiritual law, we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and then we can know God personally and experience his love. And that comes from John, <coughs> excuse me, John 1, 12, Ephesians 2, 1 through, um, 8 through 9, and then John 3, 1 through 8. And there's a reason I'm doing it in this way, and you'll see it in a minute. So Tom Brown was the name of the coworker who shared this with me back in my junior year of college. And he shared it with me because for him it was good news. And he wanted everybody to know the good news of Jesus Christ and the life, the new life that was available to all of us by accepting him into our lives. Now, our first scripture this morning, which Gailey read, thank you, Gailey, is John 3.16. Almost everybody knows this scripture reference. Even if you've never looked it up, everybody's heard of John 3.16. You watch an NFL game, you mention football, <laughs> you look in the end zone, somebody's holding up the poster that says John 3.16. But do we have any Keith Urban fans? Does anybody know Keith Urban? No one wants to admit it. Okay, I saw one hand. Keith Urban has a song in which he says he learned everything he knew from three Johns. You know who they are? John Cougar, John Deere, and John 3.16. You should look that song up. It's pretty good. John 3.16 also tops BibleGateway.com's what is it called, list of the top 100 most read verses. So everybody knows the reference to John 3.16. Gailey read it earlier, but let's read it again together. If you look in your worship guide, can we read it together all aloud, please? Just join me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, if that is to be believed, then that has to be the best news ever for anyone who can believe it, anyone who is aware, has any self-awareness of their own shortcomings, and anyone who believes in the afterlife. But you have to remember, not everybody believes those things. But if you do, that is really, really good news. It's the basic essence of the gospel message. It's the subjects of the song we sang earlier, Amazing Grace and Living Hope. And as good as that good news is, the gospel gets even better. So when Nelson asked me about preaching this sermon series a few months ago, the title for the sermon series hadn't been yet settled. It wasn't sharing the good news. I think it was, he, he mentioned something like, what is the gospel? And when I thought about that question, what is the gospel, my mind just started racing because you know, where do you start? Where do you end? How do you combine all the good news of the gospel in a 20-minute Sunday morning service? My mind was racing, but I landed on one of my favorite Bible passages, which comes from Psalms 103. It's not in your worship guide, but I'm going to read it to you. So you might even close your eyes. You can look at me, whatever you want to do. But let me read the first few verses from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins? 
and heals all diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. I love that verse. And so when Nelson raised the question, what is the gospel, my mind immediately went to the second verse, which is praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Then I started trying to make a mental list of all his benefits. I started with gospel, John 3.16, the basics, our salvation through Jesus Christ. But then the benefits, they go on and on and on. Where do you start a sermon like that? Where do you end it? It could go on for hours. So settle in. <laughs> but we don't have time for that. We do have a limited amount of time this morning, and there will be a follow-up message next Sunday. But here's where I landed. I landed on our second scripture for this morning, which comes from Luke. And thank you again, Gailey, for reading it. I'm going to read it to us again now, just uh, to remind us. From Luke 4, starting in verse 16. And this is Jesus speaking about himself. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, like for many believers, the basic gospel of John 3.16 was merely the on-ramp to a life lived with Jesus Christ. But after many years with Jesus, I can tell you that after getting on that, on, getting on that on-ramp with the basic gospel, it just gets better and better and better and more amazing. So in a few minutes, we're going to go a little bit deeper into our passage from Luke. But before we go there, I have to tell you something. And what I have to tell you is this, that to really understand the Bible, you have to believe it's true. You have to believe the Bible's true before you'll ever really understand it. Recall earlier when I told you my little story about how when I responded to the gospel, I really responded to two things. I responded to the message, but I also responded to the prompting that God gave me to believe it. You see, back in those days when Tom Brown presented me with the four spiritual laws and the spiritual references that supported it, I didn't believe that the Bible was the word of God. I didn't know what to believe about the Bible. And so everything that he presented hinged upon these verses that, you know, maybe they're true, maybe they're not. I don't know. Um, all the religions of the world are based upon something that somebody wrote a long time ago. And I was confused. What about Hinduism? What about Buddhism? What about Judaism? What about reincarnation? All these things have some basis. So while I didn't believe at that time that the Bible was true, I'd always believed in God or at least some sort of higher power. So one night while I was struggling with these things, I simply prayed to God and said, God, I believe in you, but if your Bible really is truly your word, will you somehow show that to me? And to my great surprise, I woke up the very next morning and I was absolutely convinced that the Bible was the word of God. I can't explain that to you. I have no way to understand it myself except that God just answered my prayer and convinced me that it was his word. And what was sort of immediately amazing to me is that prior to that morning, whenever I tried to read the Bible, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It was kind of like reading an old, dusty history textbook. But ever since then, 
it's been illuminated in a way, and I've been able to understand some of the spiritual truths that's behind a lot of what's in there. And it's just been an amazing thing, and I've never been the same since. So now that we've established the caveat that to really understand the Bible, you have to believe it's true, I know there must be people who are listening who have the same doubts that I had. So I'd like to take a minute and just pray, like I prayed 20, 30, 40 years ago, whenever it was. Um, so would you just bow your head and pray with me for a moment? And this is a prayer for everyone who has doubts but yet desires to know the truth. <clears throat> Dear God, we might believe in you and still be unsure of what to believe about you. There are millions of people all over the world throughout history who have believed various things about life and the afterlife and about the spiritual realm. They all claim to be true. How can we know what's true or if it's all true? How do we know, Lord? God, in the Bible, you tell us that faith is a gift from you. We want to know the truth. So we ask you, God, if the Bible truly is your word, please give us faith to believe it and to know that it's true. Thank you, God. Amen. Okay, now let's look at our text from this morning. Um, and we're just going to talk about the part about freedom. Jesus says many things about himself in this text, but just in the interest of time this morning, we're going to talk about um, where he talks about that he came to proclaim freedom for prisoners. So Jesus says that God sent him to proclaim freedom for prisoners. And as a young believer, I took verses like that only literally and only superficially. And that was right to do, and we have to start there. I mean, Jesus, God really does get prisoners out of prison. I know convicts who God has gotten out of prison. I know them personally. I used to be in a Bible study with some men from this church, some men from some other churches, and some convicts who were on parole living in a recovery program, and we all had a Bible study together. And one day, one of those guys asked for prayer because he had a pending court date, and one of the conditions of his parole was he, that he had to have a job before he went back to court. He didn't have a job, so we prayed for Tim. And when the day of the court date came, Tim went to court, jobless, and found that his name was on the docket near the bottom. So all morning long, he sat there and he watched the judge send person after person after person back to prison, one after the other, sitting there waiting for his turn to stand before the judge to also be sent back to prison. So they called Tim's name. Tim went up, told his story, and the judge did not send Tim back to jail. He gave Tim a couple of more weeks to find a job, and he, the judge didn't do that for anybody else. So Tim took that extension, and he found a job selling furniture at Ashley Furniture. And he won a couple of sales contests, and then he was promoted to assistant manager, and then he was promoted to manager, and that was seven or eight years ago, and Tim is still a star manager at Ashley Furniture to this day. He's not in prison. He's providing for his family. So Jesus does set literal prisoners free from prison. And that's good news if you're a prisoner. And that's good news if you love somebody who's in prison. But what if you're not a prisoner in a literal prison? And what if you don't know anyone in prison? Does this message have anything to say to you? I know we have some 
people who are in the mental health field here, and they can probably answer this question really quick, but are there other kinds of prisons besides literal prisons? We all know that there are. Can anyone here relate to these kind of prisons? Can you relate to being trapped in some sort of metaphorical prison, such as addictions to drugs or alcohol or gambling or cable news or watching mindless TV or some other numbing behavior? Bad habits that are like prison that we can't seem to break out of? And what about prisons like insecurity and self-doubt that, you know, how those insecurities limit and constrain our lives much like a prison? Aren't these all examples of some kind of prison? I've heard it said that the most secure prison is the one you don't know you're in. Think about that for a moment. Psychologists tell us about these subconscious energies that date back to our childhoods and operate in the background of our daily lives. They drive us to repeat the same self-sabotage and same self-defeating behaviors that limit our lives and keep us from who God created us to be. You don't have to be incarcerated to be a prisoner. You don't have to be incarcerated for this passage to speak to you. When Jesus says about himself that he proclaims freedom to prisoners, I believe he's mostly referring to these kinds of prisons and prisoners like us. So let me ask you a favor. If you feel comfortable, would you raise your hand if God has freed you from a prison of any kind, metaphorical or literal, or someone that you love? That's a lot of hands. That's a lot of hands. Well, I have some good news. Jesus proclaims freedom for the prisoners. If you uh, look at your worship guide, I was going to look at page 3, but if you look at page 4, page four look at the chorus the song Living Hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Friends, let us walk in the freedom given to us by Jesus Christ. But we won't pretend that we're suddenly, magically, no longer going to struggle with these issues. The evil one does not give up that easily. And even though you're free, the evil one wants you to think you're still in prison. He's going to give you harmful thoughts. He's going to tempt you like he tempted Eve in the garden when he told Eve, did God really say this? Did God really say that? He's going to try to tell you, does God really love you that much after all that stuff you did? Was Jesus really talking about you and this prisoner thing? This can't really be about you. He'll tempt you to trust your emotions that you know are fleeting and unreliable, but we have to resist that and trust God instead. And the Bible doesn't evade this issue at all. There are countless stories in the Bible about people who were set free and then because of fear of the future or some other irrational fear desired to go back into bondage. The devil they knew was better than the devil they didn't know kind of thing. Let's not do that. Let's walk in the freedom that Christ has given to us. The Bible encourages, to know, encourages us to no longer live as orphans, but to live in the reality of who we really are, which are the free children of God. And remember, we don't stand in our own power. We stand in the power of Christ. So when we're tempted to doubt our freedom, the best thing we can do is call on God, thank him for our freedom, find shelter in him, and then the evil one will flee.
The prisons in which we can find ourselves are all rooted in sin, but Jesus took care of that for us. He came to save us from the bondage of sin. There's another well-known Bible verse in John 8:36. It goes like this. It says, "So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed." indeed. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So what is the gospel, brothers and sisters? It's freedom. And may we encourage each other to walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ and to share that good news with others. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. And I pray for all who doubt that you would give faith to believe the word that's written in your Bible, the scriptures from the centuries, Lord, and illuminate our hearts to understand the freedom you've given us in Jesus Christ and give us the boldness to share it with others. In Christ's name we pray, amen.